and welcome back to another episode of Loss and Down. Brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure to use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping. I'm Steve, he's David, we got a DK and Steve episode, because Mr. Wally is celebrating his birthday this past weekend, so if you guys hear this, it's early on, make sure to shoot him a DM, Twitter, Instagram, wish the man a happy birthday, because he does a lot here for the podcast. Well, he, he told us he was taking off, but we were going to give it to him anyway. You should, I mean, really, they should just FaceTime him to see the what I expect to be a day-long hangover after what he said he was going to do yesterday to celebrate his birthday. Yeah, at least a couple days, but I think he ended up out going out and dashing a little bit today, too. I was like, come on, baby, it's your day. <laughs> well, what about you, David? How was your weekend? I know I wasn't on here last week, but how was the last week and a half or so, bud? Uh, pretty good. I honestly, as you asked me that question, I couldn't remember what I did this weekend. So good. I, I really can't remember. I think I, I worked on Saturday and other than that, I didn't do anything. So it was a good weekend. How was yours? You know what? Also another birthday shout out to my boy, Tadis went up for, for his dirty 30, um, up in Chicago. So got to link up with a bunch of college friends. Uh, got back yesterday. I'm still dealing with that like one to two to three day hangover because Chi Town hits it a little bit hard. I did have the best burger of my life in Chicago. Uh, the Fairfield Inn and Tavern, like right in like Bucktown area. If you guys ever want to go check it out, check it out for yourselves. Reach back out to me. Again, shout out to my boy Tadis. It's right at the end of his street. He claimed it was the best burger he's ever had. And then me and Kylie had it. It is indeed the best burger I've had. It's like five guys on steroids. I feel like that's even disrespectful calling it that because it's a chain restaurant or because five guys is. But the embarrassing story that I had here on the way back to Chicago, I was alluding to me, a 30-year-old man, allegedly, on the way back to Chicago, an hour and 10 minutes in, no gas on the highway. My car just stops. On the highway, and if you've ever driven to Chicago, um, when you're go- it's like a weird direction that you're going. You go, you, you hit Indiana, and you like swoop up, and you're right there in Chicago, so it's right there on the border. But there's a toll road. It's probably a good like 40, 50 miles. My dumbass thought they were good. I was like, oh, we're good. We'll get we'll get there with like a mile or two to spare. Because I'm somebody who stays calm up until it's happening. I'm like, ah, this 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 wouldn't happen to me. So there we are. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, yeah, let's, no, let's go to a closer one just in case. And I'm like, it's happening. It is happening right now. So I have to get all the way over, you know, obviously pull off a little bit more off the road just for the safety precaution of it. But, of course, the luckiest man alive, there was a cop on the other side that had pulled someone over maybe a quarter mile up. And we were, like, going down a hill. So he was up there so he could see me. And he was quick, too. I turned around, and there he was in the right behind me he was like yeah i can go run run you up and get some gas runs me up i was what two three miles away from the gas station i was right there it's like yeah i can do it quicker than triple a takes me brings me back i think we only it was a 25 minute ordeal like i was back and and that is so fucking lucky that is unbelievably lucky i i get anxiety worse no no did you run out again 
No, I didn't. The thing, oh, I guess it doesn't get worse, but to add on to the lucky factor is when I, you know, shout out to my man, Officer McCormick, a lot of shout outs to the first two and a half minutes of the pod, but you got to, you know, when, when it's due, you got to shout him out. Uh, he had, he works that section right there of the toll bridge. Like, yeah, it's usually my section for the past 21 years. You're really lucky I'm here because I'm the only cop in like the 42 mile stretch that they have here. So you are very, very lucky that I was here. I was like, Officer McCormick, when the stars align, the stars align. Good thing I didn't have my Packers hat on that day. That is absolutely insane. I get anxiety when my my gauge gets below 100 miles till empty. I pull off and get gas. You're a psychopath waiting till the very end. I am. And because, you know, this is how you can test how well you know your car, right? You take those sharp turns and when you're parking and see how close you can get to the car to really feel it. This is this was another part. I was like, okay, let's see. Let's see how serious they are. And I do want to call them out. I'm tired of showing, you know, it goes from like 48 miles down to like 40 to 38. But then it just says low. And that's where the that's where the gambling game comes into play. I need an exact not like numerical amount of miles that I have on my car because maybe I want to take that risk then. But at this at the same time, I was in, I was just in the tail end slash the heart of Tollbridge Country, so you I wasn't gonna find one. And I remember passing one like twenty miles before, and I was like, "Gee, Kylie." Haven't seen a gas station sign here for a while. <laughs> and uh, uh, we got through it, though. We got through it. And then we had to make another stop to get gas, then another stop to get McDonald's, and another stop to go pick my dog up. So a five-and-a-half to six-hour day actually turned into, like, an eight-hour day. But still, it, it was it was a horrific, and uh, I'm, I'm a moron. I that would give me so much anxiety. God bless. Uh, yeah, shout out for the weed pens. Those helped me kind of calm the nerves a little bit. But man, that was bad. And of course, you know, I had, I just got a new car last April. One of the first things they tell me is make sure to register your OnStar. It's free. Just click this. Whenever it happens, they can help you out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a grown man. I can, I can help myself out. And I don't even have AAA. And of course, man, do I need AAA. Man, did that, uh, me not signing up for OnStar really bite me in the ass right there but you know what you live to learn and as long as i if as long as i learn something here then i'm okay i'm okay with this failure god bless that's all i have to say (laughs) (laughs) again it was yeah take i take us into the the question that you were pondering while on the road out of gas all weekend with without the ac2 which kind of leads it into it perfectly the question of the weekend in chicago here um, I don't know who I don't know who had saw it. I think my buddy T had seen it and was just kind of asking everybody because we're rolling like 15 deep here. If someone offered you five million dollars cash right now, but the trade-off is you can never have AC again, would you take the five million? And you got to think here: five million straight cash in your hand. I mean, you could do a lot with that. Like, or I would be inclined to do a lot to receive that money. I guess is what I'm saying. But David. We're the big boys here. So I know this is a super difficult question, but what what were your thoughts on it? I keep going back and forth. So like five million is a lot of money. You could that that's that's like fuck you money, even today with all the inflation, that's still fuck you money. Uh you know, you just put that in the bank, you live off the interest, you call it a day, you still work a job to to, you know, earn your play money or whatever. But I $5 million might not be enough for me to move 
and start like a whole new career. And I say move and start a whole new career because like if you can't live without AC, I want to move to like, I don't know, Green Bay or like San Diego or San Jose or somewhere where the, the drop off from Green Bay to San Diego is hysterical. But, but like Green Bay, that. right? You're far enough north to where you you're probably the most you're gonna see is like 80 degree summers. Like they're not they're not approaching 100 degrees. They're too far north. At least I think I think. And San Diego, San Jose, you're getting hot days, but you're not getting like humidity. So like you can live with fans on and not. You know, it's not sticky. It's just like dry, 78, 80 degree heat. So like, misters are misters are okay for the record. We've had that talked about. You can get like a mister. Oh, interesting. Right? That's see, that's clutch right there. That's a game changer. I just, I, I don't know. I, I AC is so hard to give up. But like five million dollars, could I do it? Probably. Like. You just you invest you become the biggest. Is harder to give up. Yeah, you you invest big in fans and and go from there. Right, or you can get, oh, like a, like monolithic domes are really big. That people are like the way that they're building these houses. They're more of like almost sphere like, where everything circulates a little bit better. You could do that, or even like like I wouldn't move from Columbus. I'd move from Columbus in the. In like the summers, or uh, no, I guess I would stay. See, that's where it's difficult. But maybe like to your point June though, to like August or October, take a million dollars, build December. a house that sheds heat, like that's actually well well insulated, well built. The windows are already tinted, and you don't get as much uh, as much heat inside. I, I don't know. There, that's a lot of money to turn down. Or I could just move to Europe. They basically don't have ACs anyway, and they all. Here's a, they all just go with fans and here's a question for you can i still have the cooled seats in my car see i don't think that one was tossed around but there's ways like i've been hot like in a like in a college house or something the ac doesn't work or we're just poor and don't want to pay for the ac i have put my pillow inside of the freezer for like half an hour and then just cuddled it to sleep like there, I, th- I think the cool seats would be okay. Also, fuck you for having cold seats. I thought I had that, and I was blasting the heaters in like the middle of summer when I first had it last. I was like, yep, these are not cold, but there's only one way to find out. Uh, that's good. And I didn't I, have a definitive answer. I think if I had cooled seats, I think I could live. I think I could make it work. I think. Just depends on where you live. Because after today in, in Akron, it was humid as hell. And it was sticky and it was terrible and I was sweating like all day long and I'm not sure I could do that 365 days a year, but one day here there wouldn't be bad. It's all about where you live. Well, you'd also really wouldn't have, you could, you can just get another house somewhere else and just rock Cleveland for like six, seven months out of the year, like before it gets really bad in the winter and then you can go somewhere where the winters are like really mild, like maybe North, like Raleigh or North Carolina, Raleigh, South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. Like kind of like South Carolina, but that can also just be like 90 degrees winters for no reason. True. Look at that. I'm ta- Oh, I'm, I'm taking the 5 million, uh, for the record. I, I want to take that five mil. I'm going to split my time in two different places, uh, put investments, a lot of the savings so it can build up interest. And I'm just going to sit back and probably gamble it all away until I get AC back. I don't know if that's how that works. Or I'll just gamble it all away and then I'll never have AC nor the $5 million. 
That's, yeah, that that's more... interesting. Do you get it back if you lose all the money? Hmm. That's good. See, that's an interesting twist. I would assume not because then you're just more inclined to just spend Gamble it. Gamble the money away? Yeah, that or just spend it on stupid shit. I mean, you can probably just get two houses. Buy a $5 million house with AC? <laughs> yeah. Or, or just great fans with misters on it. That's how I would go about it. Interesting. We're good on. No NFL news really kind of worth talking. Anything that we will cover, we're gonna get here in the rapid in the rapid fire segment. I know, as you guys heard last week, David and Wally did a little bit of the sink or swim, but we had some leftovers for your boy. So we have just a few more guys to go over for our sink and swim segment here for 2023. I'm surprised you guys didn't get to this one. I guess that we'll have to cover it for Wally. The first one for this sink or swim segment. A one, Mr. Derek Carr. The Saints going to a new division. David, where is is my man sinking or swimming? Well, if the the question is, is the Saints win the NFC South and Derek Carr is good chemistry with the receivers, I think swim. Uh, I I'm gonna read Wally's answer here because you know it's it's almost hurtful. We did this without him here, but Wally, exactly. yeah, Wally, Wally, he said. He finally may have a fan base that appreciates what he brings to the table. This will be the best scoring defense he's ever played for, which is a flat out, like they're not that good, but the Raiders were so bad that this is a clear upgrade. Yeah. And uh, Wally said he will be in a dome protecting him from the cold, cold weather home games and all the inclement weather opponents are happening before November. He is buying hard into Derek Carr. Now, that's bias from the Derek Carr fanboy. However, I agree with him. I, you're going into a dome. That matters. That matters a lot. There are You get better in a dome with a perfectly controlled climate, which also relates to our AC question, funny enough. Uh, but he's getting an upgrade on defense. He's, you know, he's slightly downgrading from his receiver core, but honestly, it's an overall upgrade from what he's had most of his career i would think you know he's getting a a try a, a true running back uh receiving threat for the first time in his career um i i think he swims i think he's gonna do well i you know the nfc south is it's up in the air anyone can win this division if Derek carr plays well the saints are gonna win the south uh and i i wouldn't be shocked to see he's a good quarterback He's at his best. He's probably in the the six to eight range of quarterbacks in the NFL. I have no doubt that that he's going to have chemistry with receivers come come the start of the season. So I'd say swim. Yeah, and I'm I'm not I'm not here to uh, take the other side. I think that Derek Carr is going to swim. I'll even I'll even go a couple notches above Wally. Not only is this the best scoring defense he's played you can almost make an argument at least on paper right now before the season this could be the best offense that he's played with we know that he's had a couple good years at least the year that he broke his leg that one was probably the best team that he's that he had been a part of but collectively as a team easily the best that he could be playing for and you can say that separately for each unit now you're going to get mike thomas back chris alave has been getting a lot of praise these OSU, these OSU receivers, man, they're just built different. But getting a ton of praise out of offseason that he's clearly has taken that next step and they should be expecting him to maybe move into that more of a wide receiver one type role. 
A lot of things have been quiet on the Alvin Kamara front. We were expecting a suspension, but don't also forget the addition of Jamal Williams in that backfield. And this will be, I'd have to go fact check that, or I need Wally to fact check it for me. Is the best offensive line that he could play for at least a top two or three? Again, that's just how bad his O-line and defenses have been. And Derek Carr's young career here or to start uh, in Oakland and in Vegas. So I think he's going to swim. And again, and you said it yourself, what is the NFC South? We know right now it's clearly the worst division that the NFL is going to have next year. We don't know what we'll get out of Carolina. Atlanta's the biggest question mark out of here. And then Tampa, Tampa's going to Tampa. I, you know, clear drop off at quarterback. I don't really expect Tampa to be too competitive, but you never know. Don't mean to come at your boy. Maybe, maybe Baker gets the resurrection here. We got to... I, I have to take the next one because I am so passionately against it. The next one we have is Jimmy G, which is the Raiders stay in arm's length of the postseason behind smart veteran QB play. I'm going to read Wally's answer first. The, <laughs> the Raiders will be lucky to win six games this year. I'd say try to move Adams, but his contract makes it hard to imagine anyone would be willing to pay for him. The Raiders should pray that they suck this year, but they'll try to win and fail per usual. Steven, the the floor is yours. (laughs) I know it's early. It's not technically the season or in season for us to do this, but give me that black sheep pick. Give me that black sheep pick. Jimmy G, he's going to swim. You want to know why? He's going back to he's going back to McDaniel's. That's his offensive coordinator in New England for so long. He understands what this what this offense is like, what the playbooks like, the scripting is like. He's going to fit in like a glove. Now again, I think there's obviously going to be question marks on the offensive line here with um, here with the Vegas Raiders, what they're looking like. But you don't need him to be a world beater, right? You need him in an Alex Smith type role when he was in San Francisco or tailing a San Fran, Kansas City, and then what we were seeing uh, there in Washington before he had retired. That's what Jimmy needs to come back to. Now, when I say swim, I don't think he's going to go for 4,000-plus yards, have like 28, 30 touchdowns. No, but I think that he'll have a good Jimmy a good Jimmy G season, enough to the point that people are going to say this was a great this was a great sign, this, that, and the other, and maybe they shouldn't be worrying about drafting a quarterback. All in all, they should be worrying about worrying about drafting a quarterback. But you got Josh Jacobs that you can continue feed. You like you like Devontae Adams. You're not expecting Hunter Renfro to be as injured as he was last year. I think that Jimmy could just have a solid year, and that's good enough, solid enough to swim and not completely sink. He's doggy paddling, though. Still swimming. Still swimming. I'm, I'm with Wally here. It's a sink. And, and it's a sink because QB wins are not a QB stat. And Jimmy G is the most overpaid, overrated quarterback maybe in history when you talk to his mm. stands. And I, he can't play. He's, he's, he's literally average at best. And he's played for Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Patriots, and the Kyle Shanahan loaded everywhere but the QB position, 49ers. I... I'm with Wally here. I think the Raiders are a six-win team. I he's sinking. He's not staying within postseason contention. 
I also think that they could be a six-win team, but with just like slightly above average quarterback play to keep Jimmy's head above water. But I just I just wanted to clear the air. I want I don't want people thinking I'm marking him down for like a nine to ten win season. But somebody who got ahead of that curve last year and won Mr. Geno Smith. I'll stick it here with this one. I think I think I speak for everybody. Wally, swim. Yep, that's his guy. But yeah. How can this man not swim at this point? He's got another year in that offseason program, another season under Pete Carroll, now as the full-time starter, now really starting to get in the groove of things. And, man, I wish Green Bay's front office would take some notes like this. What do they do? First round, they get him another weapon to what was the passing offense with the 12th most yards, passing offense with the 7th most touchdowns, and a passing offense with the best. That's the best. It is not... I'm not pulling chains. The best completion percentage in the NFL last year. What do you do? You add somebody, a freak like Jackson Smith and Jigba to your room. Inevitably, you're going to be pushing out Tyler Lockett here if it's not traded midseason by the by the end of next year or the offseason, he'll be gone. But don't forget about you got Kenneth Walker back there that strides that defense made. So as a whole, I think they're going to be great. For Geno, I absolutely think he's going to swim and I go as far as saying he'll have a better year than he did the previous. I I completely agree. I was out on Geno last year. I admitted probably 13 straight episodes that I was wrong. I, you know, if he plays, even if it's a fraction worse than last year, with that offense is still going to be, it's still going to be incredible. Um, you know, you've got Kenneth Walker, you've got, an incoming second round running back pick to take some, some weight off a of Walker if he gets hurt or anything like that. And then, you know, to your point, the receiver group, right? Jackson Smith and Jigbo was, he's going to replace Tyler, Tyler Lockett. They're not going to pay Tyler Lockett a second, uh, another contract. So um, he's going to replace Lockett eventually. But while you have these three receivers, I mean, that's a legitimate threat. And and I'd say they probably round out, without seeing Smith and Jigba play in the NFL, on paper, they probably round out the top five in terms of receiving core in the NFL. Um, whether it be four or five, they're definitely not one through three, but they're they're right in that contention of, of four and five. I, you know, Geno just has to play like he did last year, and this team is just already better offensively. And, you know, if they if they start the season defensively like they ended the season last year, they're going to be in the playoffs without a doubt. So I'm really excited. I think Geno Smith is a swim for sure. Last but not least, my former boy, Mike McCarthy. Could this be the year that they potentially make an NFC championship run or at least some, do something in the playoffs? What I think was it last year that was the first time that they had won had a playoff win in like quite some time and then they went and just completely shot or no first time they won in the on the road in the playoffs in like twenty five years something ridiculous came up but Mike McCarthy head coach of the Dallas Cowboys do you believe that he's gonna sink or swim this year David uh, I think McCarthy should get almost no credit for any Cowboys success and I think if Dan Quinn leaves. It's a hardcore sink, and if he if he stays, which he likely will, McCarthy will swim, but it's not going to be because of McCarthy. It's going to be because of the mix of talent on the team, on the roster. It's going to be Quinn's 
phenomenal defense all year long. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think of how weak the NFC is outside of the Eagles and the Niners, and the Cowboys can definitely make a run to the NFC Championship. All it takes is, you know, one one bad game from maybe the Niners or the Eagles that, that takes them out of the, the playoffs, and you're looking at the Cowboys and the NFC Championship. Um, I'll bet against it because it's the Cowboys, and, like, you just always bet against the Cowboys. But if we're really if we're really being honest with ourselves, I'd say swim, for sure. No, and let me let me read up what Wally said because I kind of, I agreed a lot with Wally on what he said as well as you because I think we're all three in agreement just in general. Um, I need locked up because I believe the Cowboys can get to the NFC title game. The only hang up could be having to go to the link in the divisional round, but I'm choosing not to think of that right now, and I'm just, <laughs> and I'm just roster baiting instead. There you go. Great. It's it's almost that time of the year where you get to run through the league again. I love it. Uh, that's Wally's. That's Wally's two cents. And I'm I'm very much with Wally on this. I think I Cowboys are definitely going to be making the playoffs, and I think that they can make a run to the NFC Championship game. Absolutely. It's either going to be it's just going to be a rematch of last year, or it's just going to be Dallas. Maybe Dallas San Fran because that seems to be the premier playoff game. The going into what would be three straight years that they're playing each other. I, I do want to say this, though. I'm kind of half and half with you here, David. But when Cooper Rush is winning, it's not really because of Mike McCarthy. Because that defense is was doing okay. But then when Dak comes in and the defense sucks, then it's Mike McCarthy's fault that they're doing bad. I think Mike gets a little bit of credit. I think he should get credit on the Cooper Rush aspect of it. Because doesn't matter. Mike has always had his backup quarterbacks come in and be able to play. Really just Matt Flynn the one time. I think there's one there's one quarterback I'm missing off the top of my head. Maybe Scott Tolzinks. I know he's a coach down there for him now. Had to come in like one game, half a game to, to be able to play. So Mike McCarthy can get those backups to play. But, yeah, he's definitely not 100% the reason they're succeeding. I just wouldn't argue that he's 100% of their failure. But if anyone's going to get a majority of uh, – well, of the credit, it's going to be Dan Quinn, and I completely agree with that. But I think that Mike McCarthy can swim. I think that he can get it done this year uh, and and finally get Dallas to have some hope. There's different there's a difference of having hope, making the playoffs, and lose. But if they go on a run, now the Cowboys fans are going to be even worse than we possibly could have imagined. Oh, man. Oh, man, I can't believe I'm at the point. Wally and myself and you, I think we're at the point where we're about to see the Dallas Cowboys – Super Bowl victory, Super Bowl appearance potentially. I'm just saying. No chance. I'm just no chance. saying. Last thing, not sink or swim. A nice little debate that everyone kind of saw circulating on Twitter. I don't know if you guys have been able to. If not, don't worry. We do have you covered. But there's been a lot of question about the Jalen Waddle versus T. Higgins debate. What their stats have been over the past two seasons. So essentially, T. Higgins. Second and third season, Jalen Waddle's rookie in second year. Let me get it up on here on the screen in case that you guys haven't been able to see it yourselves. We'll have it right here if you're watching us on YouTube. If not, we'll make sure that we'll get this posted on our Twitter just so you guys can at least have eyes on it. But here are the comparisons for T. Higgins and Jalen Waddle. You have it all right here with T. Higgins having a majority of what winning these categories, really outside of yak per catch, and catches 
He's literally better in everything else. You know, routes, routes ran, okay, a little bit different. Targets, basically the same. Catches, basically the same. Yards, everything kind of comes into play. So, David, I'll, I'll throw it over to you here. Based off this, and obviously not just based off this, we've been, we've been watching these guys since they're so young here in the league, but are you kind of swaying over to T. Higgins, or are you going to be going over to the Jalen Waddle as, the, as your wide receiver here, gun to your head, I guess? This is this is a really interesting one, right? Because this is a lot closer than than I you know, I never really thought about it, but I guess if you asked me, you know, before ever seeing this graphic, uh what this looks like, I probably would have leaned probably Jalen Waddle just ever so slightly, but T. Higgins has the stats behind him more so than Waddle. Um I think both are likely number one receivers on their own. Um, but they're different receivers. T. Higgins is a he's a bigger, he's a more physical receiver. He can route run, he can do it all right, but he's he's big, he's broad, he's he's kind of like a, a Plexico Burris. He's yep. just, you know, he is your target, right? And and Waddle is more of your faster, more dynamic, uh, Tyreek Hill light. And I, I just for me the tiebreaker, it goes to Waddle, and I say that because I just if you take a step back and and you if you give Waddle to to Joe Burrow next to Jamar Chase for 17 games last year, I like I, I think Waddle puts up ungodly numbers with Chase. You know, you're you're talking about the the best receiver duo since you know, Isaac Brucey and, and Tory Holt yeah. back on, on, you know, that 99 Rams team. And I, that's the tiebreaker for me because I just, if you swap quarterbacks, right? Because again, yep. uh, Tua, and we talked about this a lot last year, Tua was out for, for a good portion of games with concussion issues last year. And had he played all 17 games, the Dolphins likely would have been maybe one or two wins better than they finished. And I think those receivers are even better than how they finished, which is insane because both had phenomenal seasons. But I just like, I I don't want to discredit Higgins because I think, again, I think Higgins is great. I think he's a number one receiver on his own, uh, in, you know, on a lesser team, but or on a team without Jamar Chase, I should say. But uh, I, I just think QB matters. And if you're going to put a top five QB putting up, you know, when you're with a top five QB putting up the same numbers as a guy with maybe a 10 to 12 range QB, eight at best, you're, you know, you're, you're probably slightly worse than if you switch roles and Waddle is now the number two next to Chase getting you know joe burrow deep throws that are dead on accurate and and whatnot i i just what are you talking about he was the most accurate quarterback in the nfl stop that sorry i'm Uh, just going to his teammate tyree kill but but also no let's let's even if ignore to a first what five to seven games last year yeah Uh, i think like five like he actually didn't start five and he had he left early in two right Three. Yeah, but there two. were two games last year where Waddle was playing with one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So, like, I, you know, those that affects numbers. I don't care what anyone says. It doesn't matter how great you are. You could be Jerry Rice. If you're playing with, like, 
Skyler uh, Thompson. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't even remember his name. That's how bad he was. Yeah, when you're playing you with Skyler Thompson. You don't forget a name like Skyler. You're like, oh, they're still naming kids that. Cool. Okay. But, like, you play with a guy like that, you're not going to do well. So, I, again, my tiebreaker goes to Waddle only because I think if you swapped the scenarios, they're both still going to be great. But I think Waddle is significantly better with Joe Burrow than with. 10 games or 12 games of Tua and five of backup and horrific QB play. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Um, We're actually on the same side on this one, which I was kind of upset. I kind of half read yours. I was like, oh, cool. I see Higgins a lot, so I think he's going with him. But no, like almost the same exact reasons, right? Like I want to go with Jalen Waddell because, yeah, you have the benefit of having Jamar Chase. You know, and Jalen Waller even had a better rookie year than what T. Higgins was put on. Not that that matters, but Jalen Waddle's rookie year is being used in comparison versus he has his two years with Jamar Chase being a com- uh, compared to here. But T. Higgins still had a good, I think he was what, 67? Should be right. It was like 67, nine, uh, 908 yards and like six touchdowns. Jalen Waddle hit over 1,000. Well, Joe Burrow was out. Yeah, well, t- he has Tua who gets sneezed on and leaves the game because my man's just a tiny little fragile dude. Like, you can make any argument, but Waddle is – I would I would take Waddle just because the biggest argument is that's the way the offense is going nowadays. You have those small, speedy guys. Like, you don't have the big, bulky wide receivers anymore. I mean, I think Seattle's a great, a great comparison. When you had that those smaller wide receivers, that's when it was hot. Oh, Doug Baldwin. Tyler Lockett. Oh, we need a big guy. DK Metcalf. Ah, maybe we need to go a little bit smaller now. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Not totally small, but compared to DK, anyone's really small. But T. Higgins got seven more inches on him. He's like 6'4", about 220. Jalen Waddle's like 5'10", and 183 pounds soaking wet, maybe. Like, to, to your point, they're two completely different... Two completely different wide receivers. I'd make an argument T. Higgins would be more successful in Miami than Jalen would be in in um, Cincy, just because I think that makes their team just kind of like that small, little shifty guys. It's like, okay, I think that we can plan it. But with T. Higgins being with Jamar Chase, now you have to cover the whole field. Not saying you can't with them, but you got somebody who can go over top. Jamar Chase can do whatever the hell he wants. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this Tyler Boyd guy, too. Hayden Hurst didn't do, do too bad last year as well. So I think Jalen Waddell has it simply because T. Higgins has everything else for him. He's got the height. He's got the weight. He's got the quarterback. The only thing that Jalen Waddell has the advantage of is he has a way better play calling coach who's going to scheme him up to get to get open. I know I'm preaching to the choir to you because I know this. you're a big Zach Taylor guy, but Mike McDaniels, God, just imagine – Imagine Jamar Chase and Mike McDaniel's offense. Think about that. Forget Jalen or T. Higgins. That's all I thought about. If you combine these teams and you shed the fat, it's the most unbeatable team in history. That's not a hot take. I'll be with it there. But I know you hear this coming up, David. You thought you were going to get away from it because Wally's not here? No. The sirens are rolling because it's that 911 rapid fire. Before we get into it, we want you to know that this rapid fire segment is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high end photography, and more. Especially if you're our age where it feels like there's college graduation, a birthday, wedding, engagement, you name it, it's happening every single weekend. 
Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check it out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Rapid fire. I love that we have to start it with this. Melvin Gordon. My man wants to play in the NFL again, but now he's being quoted talking about, man, no one really cares about running backs. We're not getting paid, which we all know about that on this podcast. But he's tired of his running backs getting overlooked, underpaid, and just kind of thrown around like nothing. What were your kind of thoughts on Melvin Gordon after he just won a Super Bowl ring and he's still bitching? Well, you know what? I, I agree with him. He, he does still have tread left on the tires. But my problem, and, and unfortunately for Melvin, is is running backs are a dime a dozen now. We're, we're in a stage of the NFL where it's the worst era for being a running back and wanting to be paid. High, most starters, most, and again, not all, but most starters in the NFL right now can be replaced by a fourth round draft pick. Uh, their production it can be replaced. It's it, We've seen it time and time again, and there's probably only four, five, maybe six running backs that are worth, you know, if you could go back, are worth like a late first round pick, maybe a mid first round pick. But we're just not in the running back era anymore. It's the, it's the, and we've talked about it over and over and over again. But it's the least valuable position on the field. It can be replaced mostly easily. I just, I feel bad for him. But if you're trying to get paid and you're not trying to just earn a vet minimum or one or two million dollars, I, you know, you're you're not going to get signed. If if Melvin wants to earn two million dollars signing for a team, he'll be signed like that but he's not going to do that so i i just it, it's it's unfortunate for melvin i just it, it is what it is i think with melvin like he specifically has been getting screwed he didn't I, if i can remember correctly he didn't really get paid once he went to denver because uh at the time san diego wasn't going to pay him it's not like he got really overly paid when he went to denver i'd have to look at the contract again i don't think it was that bad it wasn't that bad it wasn't that bad but yeah maybe like i want to say it was like the eight to nine mil but you got to be happy with that right because melvin gordon i feel specifically is just getting screwed on it because then he just kind of goes bouncing around gets cuts but gets cut by denver goes to you know goes to um kansas city that's running backs and all of a sudden you kind of get forgotten within just six months but look with just in the Chiefs organization. You want to talk about how replaceable running backs are? They've already done it twice in the in the last three seasons. Everyone was so high on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the kid out of LSU. All of a sudden, the Isaiah Pacheco, a seventh rounder, came in and led him to the Super Bowl at that part. Don't forget about Jarek McKinnon that they had in there. I mean, look at what the Dalvin Cook situation. Alexander Matson's a third round running back that's just turned 25, right? Look at Tony Pollard in the Zeke situation. It's just inevitable, but these guys still think that they're that they are that running back that's going to change everyone's mind. No, shout out to Lev Bell because he's the one who started screwing you guys when he wanted to sit and not get his money. Then when he got overpaid, people were like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't really start overpaying these guys." And now all of a sudden they start ticking down a little bit. So, sorry, Melvin, that's just the way that lay of the land, baby. If you want to, you can still you can still get millions of dollars right in the bench on on a league minimum for the next probably like. Four to five years, I'd be start doing that. Speaking of running backs, though, Dalvin Cook. The Dolphins are what seemingly are the favorite team, but maybe can't figure out the salary situation. Jets and Patriots in the mix. 
Um, you know, he wants to play with D Hop, but ultimately he wants to play with a contender, which is I'd like to say is is different than what he said like right when he got cut by the Vikings. He said, you know, he was basically what was coming out is that he he wanted to get paid and the Vikings took the route of look, we can't you know, we can't logically pay you. So if we can't pay you, we'll cut you and we'll save on cap. Steven, what do you think? I, I I'll I'll lay out the floor for you first. It's it's literally almost like following up that conversation and even him walking it back. You're just in the reality as a running back that you're going to get to a certain point extremely quicker uh, than or sooner rather than later that you're just going to be going for your best contract and not your best spot. If you just go to the best contract and it just so happens that they're contenders, then you got a nice win-win. But you're going to have to be able to weigh your differences because you can't beat, you can't get paid and go to contender right now, especially if that contender is going to be Miami. You're seeing the Jets and the Patriots on there. The Jets, yeah, but there's also a lot of mouths to feed. They're definitely not going to pay you money. Then you got the Patriots who you could take that risk. Maybe they could sneak into the wild card. But then again, Miami's going to be your best bet. Seems to, seems like everyone in the AFC East is really just going for this guy. The Dolphins are going to be your best bet. Yes, you have a lot of mouth to feed. You're going to get a good contract. You're gonna, out of all three of these, that's arguably going to be your best spot for to making it to the Super Bowl. I think New York would be. But then again, it's MetLife and that's in that stadium and that turf. Anything can happen within the next six months there. Um, on top of, we'll get to it here a little bit later with the curse. But, you know... Dalvin, just go to Miami. It's it's checking all of your boxes. You'll get a decent contract contender. You're going back home. You'll get to be warm. You're not stuck in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Talk about polar opposites of weather that you're dealing with. And you're not going to be able to play with D Hop either, man. Just go get just go get a decent contract and go get a ring. Yeah, I, I mean, he said he wants to like he's now coming out saying he wants to play for a contender, right? And and that quote unquote the money going come. Uh, but I have to imagine he takes the biggest contract offered to him with any team that has a reality of sniffing the playoffs this year. Um, I find it hard to believe he went from wanting a big contract to being fine with whatever happens as long as he's on a winner. I, you know, the Dolphins is a phenomenal scenario for him, but what nobody's really talking about is the Dolphins went out and they got running backs. They got like... Solid but not phenomenal running backs like Raheem Mostart and and uh, oh god who else do they have Jeff Wilson they have Miles yeah but then they also have Miles uh, uh, Gaskins is he still on the yeah. roster that I'm not sure about but like if he is you've got three solid running backs that can support a pass prolific offense. So I, I just have a hard time believing the Dolphins really offer him any kind of money. The Jets seem like a, they're in like a two-year all-in window. So I have to imagine they all end up offering him the most money. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go there. Uh, but at the same time, the Jets have Brees Hall, who's, who's you know got a very, very, very promising career coming up. Um, I don't know. It, it's just – it's interesting. I just – I have a hard time believing he's he's not going to go wherever pays the most. We finally have the scoop on the Stefan Diggs drama, and it's really stupid. I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. Apparently, this little tiff that's been 
you know, going on a minicamp and the drama of Sean McDermott saying, yeah, we're concerned that he's not here. It's stemming from Josh Allen not apologizing, essentially for an extremely stupid pun joke. Um, Steph was mad on the sideline, like during their playoff loss, on Josh missing him on a specific play. You know, Steph and Josh are talking here in the sideline, locker room, whatever it may be. Josh was like, oh, were you under there? Stephon Dick said, under where? And then everybody just started laughing, and then they just walked away. That is the story that I'm getting, and that's where the drama is, because Josh has not apologized for making Stephon Diggs say, under where? Underwear. Underwear. Not the question. Your boxer briefs. What? What is going on? Okay, but... I need you to explain to me, like a five-year-old, what this pun is, like, because underwear. I still don't understand. You know, like, but uh, like, it's like, oh, it smells like, it smells like sup dog in here. What's up, dog? Oh, nothing much. It's are oh, you under there? Underwear? <laughs> he said underwear. Like your box. Oh my god, I've read, I've read that like twenty-five times, and I still didn't understand it until you explained it to no, me. But the, uh, it took me a while. It's like under. The only reason I know that pun or this joke is because of a song. And I was like, oh, okay. That's stupid. And also, it's just a side note. I hate how I hate how NFL grown millionaires like have these little like I like when they're children and they can have fun, but like little stupid stuff like this, being like a 30-year-old man having like extensive handshakes with your teammates. It's it is so stupid. I I just like I can't I read that 30 times and I didn't understand until you said it. And now I'm sitting here thinking Stefan Diggs has to be the most diva receiver in the NFL right now. And I just, if that were me and I was getting laughed at in the locker room, I think I would just confront Josh Allen straight up. And they're boys. They're like best friends. They love each other. So it's like, I think I would just confront it straight up and be like, what the fuck? And you get it out of the way quickly, and then you just move on. But I don't know. <laughs> it's it's so I, I feel stupid. Like, it's so stupid, but I feel like I, you know, we, I said it last week with just me and Wally, but, like, I have no doubt the Bills are going to be firing in all cylinders this year. I feel like we're looking for things to talk about with them, and that might just be one. But, like, also, Stefan Diggs, Bro. get your shit together. Like, just get your shit together before you turn into, like, Antonio Brown and you're out of the league for doing stupid shit. Yeah, I don't think he has CTE like he. I don't, I don't know if you saw the latest Antonio Brown interview, Look, the, but yeah, he... Uh, the perfect hit was a career changer for, that was for a Antonio life, Brown. That was a life changer. God. Eagles wide receiver Devin Allen runs the fourth fastest, the fourth fastest time in the world... 110 meter hurdles this past Sunday at the USATF New York City Grand Prix. That is a lot of abbreviations, even though I said New York City. The last thing this Eagles team needs is just another little speedster, another little something to add to this offense. Also, who the hell is Devin Allen? Look, I don't know, but like... I don't even see this as a weapon thing for the Eagles. What I see is a testament to how skilled these athletes in the NFL have to be to be good in the NFL. Because this guy appears to be an Olympic-level athlete. 
and dude, this dude yet is I've white. never heard of him. I, I've never heard of him this though. Dude and is he appears white. to be which is shocking. But like again, I've never heard of him. He appears to be an Olympic level athlete. I have no idea if he's a rookie or not, but the sheer amount of skill it takes, in addition to being a supreme athlete, is just so wild to me. This is this is an example of it. This guy is is runs the fourth fastest hurdle hundred meter hurdle time in the world this year. And I've never heard of him as an NFL receiver. I it just it's crazy to me. Okay, so so he's been on the Eagles roster since 2022. He went undrafted. He went undrafted in 2017, and ends on a roster in 2022. So he just got a he just got a ring. Or no, he didn't. I'm sorry. I'm I'm having a brain fart. But he just went to the Super Bowl. Almost had the opportunity to have a ring. But listen to this as well. NCAA 110 meter hurdles champion in 2014, a three time U.S. national champion at 110 meter hurdles, 14, 16, and 18, so three times in a six year span, and the Diamond League champion for 110 meter hurdles, 2021. So Scott, he's got to be a special teamer. That's why. Why is he playing in the NFL though? Like, if you commit to the fucking track and field career, you might actually earn more money over time. But that again, that plays into my point of how skilled you have to be as a receiver, or at really any position in the NFL. It doesn't matter how athletic you are; you have to be so like so skilled to make it or to be good, I should say, in the NFL. This guy, they literally have to have him on just like kickoff return. And they're just like, just go down there and pop somebody. You're going so fast, you'll be able to hit them hard. But man, that's wild. Let's go. Keep it on the wide receiver train, shall we? Devontae Adams has his assault charges dropped, but there is still a civil suit that is pending. Cameraman claims to have suffered whiplash, headaches, and possible concussions. Even though Adams apologized to the media and on social media following it, which was caught on camera. He tried to reach out to the photographer on Twitter. It's just, you know, just settle it. I've, it's ridiculous. I know I've had a lot of Devontae, you know, a lot of Devontae jokes about just uh, how hard he was pushing him. I'm surprised the guy didn't die. Uh, but, but really, I hope the same result comes from the civil case. Like, this dude is somebody who is independently hired, like an independent contractor hired by ESPN. Essentially, I don't really think anyone has any liability. Maybe ESPN would, maybe Arrowhead would. I don't know. But... It's 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 so stupid. If I think this guy would have just played it cool, he actually could have gotten something. Because the way this is going, he's going to get nothing, and he could have gotten something if he just would have played it cool, Devonte. I'm right there. I'm so I'm all for suing for damages in various aspects of life where where you've actually been hurt or you've actually been affected in some way. But this is so clearly a money grab that I just don't respect it. I mean. I, this guy at worst, at worst, got a concussion. You know, unless this is like the ninth concussion of his life, that's nothing. It's it's a it's a tough go through. You know, concussions suck, but like this guy isn't. He's not suffering because of one concussion. I. It's just so clearly a money grab. And to your point, if he just owned it and said. You know, hey, thanks for reaching out, Devontae. Like, 
is there any way I could get, you know, some memorabilia or, or shit like that? This, you know, he, he, he would have ended up with probably more in the long term than, than what he's going to end up with. I don't know what the civil case will end up saying, but like, I have to have, I, I find it hard to imagine a judge and a jury, if there is even a jury, would say, hey, as a cameraman on an NFL sideline, you're right. This NFL player running into you unintentionally is definitely cause for you earning millions of dollars in retribution, right? I I just, I have a hard time with it. I think it's a money grab. I think it's stupid. And I hope the cameraman loses the civil suit too. Hope, yeah, I hope he loses the civil suit. hope he has the right to the... Well, his rights taken away from being able to work in the NFL. Like you don't need guys doing. You don't. You don't need people. Your employees, whoever it may be, if you're hired by uh, the broadcast company, if you're hired by the stadium, whatever the organization. Like just you got to be classy. And dude, they are millionaires at the end of the day. You you're gonna get taken care of regardless if it's from Devonte. Regardless, and if it's bad enough. If it's bad enough, okay, obviously this makes sense, but the team is going to, the home team will take care of you. Devontae is going to get you taken care of. You could have gotten some sick box seats, maybe an autograph, maybe. I would have been like, yo, just take me out to dinner. And we got to hit the Vegas strip, and then we yeah. just called it a day. Just like hang out with me for a night, you yeah. know? Like You're my friend. There, there are a lot of ways to avoid this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I yeah, he really, uh, he really screwed the pooch, and there's no walking back, so I hope that he loses it. Never and just kind of gets his uh, get revoked. There's privileges revoked of being able to work for the NFL ever again. Lastly, and then we can get the heck on out of here. Hard knocks. I don't know if it is official. I did see it on Sleeper. I never went through Twitter after that because once you get the Sleeper app, you get that. You're just assuming a couple minutes later that's when Twitter's going to react. Hard knocks and the Jets collab this summer after multiple teams declining. Sounds like the Jets are finally going to be the team that. Uh, HBO is going to be covered for this season's Hard Knocks. This is going to be the this is going to be the most watched Hard Knocks. Aaron Rodgers cannot get a camera out of his face, even if he wanted to. Even though we all know he doesn't want to, and I can't see them wanting to put the camera off of him. But do you think that he that they need to get his okay before the Jets agree to do this? No, but I also hate Aaron Rodgers, so I don't care. I, <laughs> this is – I tell you what, though, this Hard Knocks will be probably the most interesting one in the history of Hard Knocks. I'm I'm trying to think of a team that maybe had a better or equivalent outlook as the Jets do this season. Like, most time, Hard Knocks is on the worst teams in the NFL yeah. or – or bad teams starting to make a transition, like the Browns when they, you know, the year they had were on Hard Knocks and first signed Jarvis, and they got a lot the of Baker's a lot of one liner clips. Yeah, a lot of one liner clips and a lot of good stuff. But you know, I, I, in recent memory, and and I'm sure I'm wrong, but I just can't remember a team that had playoff aspirations being on Hard Knocks, and I. Like like legitimate playoff aspirations with a top ten quarterback. I just I, I can't remember it. So I but what will be interesting, regardless of, of the storyline of the Jets as a whole, is the interaction of Aaron Rodgers and company. And I say that because we're gonna get some all time storylines out of Aaron Rodgers in his 
ayahuasca, you know, journeys and his, his, oh, you know, this is, the world is all about me. The sun revolves, you know, the sun revolves around me. The earth revolves well, around me. going to New York is not going to help that. No, but I, you know, we're going to get some good shit out of Hard Knocks. And I, I, you know, I'm actually interested because even though I hate Aaron Rodgers, this is going to be a great way to expose him. I love it. Yeah, and it's good. To your point, I I haven't looked it up. I wish I did beforehand. I want to say maybe the Ravens and the Jets. Those are the only teams that actually had done something. I want to say like prior to that season, the the Browns were fun to watch. And that was just a, that was a year before they went to the playoffs. But they were that was still like a fun little buildup. But like actual playoff aspirations, who actually went to it? I think the Jets. I'm pretty sure the Jets went to the NFC champ, AFC Championship game after after their one and then I want to say the Ravens won the Super Bowl but maybe that was like a year or two after they did it and they were just bad but I just remember the Shannon Sharp I need restitution speech I've seen that way too many times but that's all I can remember from it with that that's going to bring us to an end of an episode of Lost It Down make sure to like comment subscribe to our Facebook Instagram and YouTube at Lost It Down and make sure to retweet us on Twitter down underscore loss Remember, this episode is brought to you by tabbies.com as well as ta- tabbies.com as well as Abby Turner Creative. Did I say Abby's? Ab- I think I said Abby's because I was reading Abby. But, David, any parting words for the fans here tonight? Not a chance, but I encourage you all to FaceTime Wally. To, uh, well, I guess by the time you hear it, it will be Tuesday days. night or Tuesday afternoon. Just FaceTime Wally. Just FaceTime him. Sing him happy birthday. Uh, you know, do everything you can to just surprise the shit out of him. Even if you don't know him, hit us up. We'll give you his number and you guys can FaceTime him. Facts. Facts. Yeah, because that'd be even better. He'll be like, who the hell is this? And then someone's coming on who's never seen before singing him happy birthday. And of course, Wally's too nice to do anything, so he'll just sit there and take it. It's going to be too good. Until next time, people. We're going to have the tripod back. I will say next week we will be taking off for the 4th of July. Coming back the following week on the 10th hard. Until next time, we will see you then.